0: This is the High School Football America podcast for July the 20th, 2020. I'm Jeff Fisher. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and faster speed than Huddle Sideline. Plus, GameStrat has awesome customer service along with different plans priced right for every coach's budget. And right now, GameStrat is offering a discount of up to two hundred dollars, and that means it's cheaper than Huddle Sideline. Plus, GameStrat is making it risk free if you make the switch now, and there isn't a 2020 season, your money will roll right into 2021. No risk, and you can't beat that. But you have to act by July the 31st to get a demo. Go to GameStrat.com or click on the GameStrat banner ad located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. All right, heading to Henderson, Nevada, outside of Las Vegas. A program that has spent quite a bit of time over the uh, last three or four years in the high school football America Uh, 100, the national rankings. Liberty winning the 4A championship in the state last year, stopping that long streak by uh, Bishop Gorman. And uh, we've got the head coach of the program on there uh, to talk a little bit about the Patriots and uh, a a lot about uh, are we going to play some football in the state when he's put together a proposal with some fellow coaches there and rich morocco's on the line to talk about that welcome to the show coach
1: Oh, thanks for having me I'm excited to be here I look forward to
0: talking to you yeah and we're going to get a lot of uh, the players in that in on the back end but like I said before we kind of got things off and rolling here and I started recording this uh, the news of the day unfortunately breaks in uh, I'm even going to talk about California which just said it's pr- pushing back to 2021 I know you had three Southern California teams on the schedule because you're not afraid to play anybody I'll tell you that folks if you don't know <laughs> who the Patriots play <laughs> you're going to find out in this interview but the uh, reason I got you on the phone here today specifically as I read in the Las Vegas Sun that uh, you and some coaches got together and uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the state and especially as it relates to start dates and all that stuff and I understand you guys have put together a proposal that you're presenting to the Nevada Interscholastic Activities Association so I, I, I just wanted to give you kind of an open forum here to talk about why you did it and and what the plan is is spelled out to be right now in its in its initial form since I guess you just put it in on Sunday.
1: Yeah, so um, back in early July, I think it was, it might have been the first or second of July, the NIAA uh, put out a document basically um, putting their plan for the upcoming season. And when we read the document, it said that they were just going to roll with the football season as is. Um, and then they weren't going to make any changes to the season. So if one part of the state couldn't play, but the other part could, they were just going to let it play out that way. And, um, you know, as the numbers gotten worse here over the last several weeks, uh, we've been, you know, as coaches we're kind of panicking a little bit Mm -hmm. and we just wanted some direction. We, we felt like, um, you know, we're supposed to put helmets on July 30th, which is less than two weeks away and we haven't heard anything, you know, um, a normal, you know, rational person can see that we're not starting the football season on time because we're not going to be in phase three um, by that time, and we just felt like we needed to hear something or we need we need some sort of guidance and direction from them. So we got together, um, my principal, a couple other principals, a couple of the coaches in the association, and we decided to come up with a plan so that they wouldn't just cancel the season on us. Um, we didn't agree with, let's just play the season as is. And, you know, if a school has an outbreak, they, they're they shut down for a few weeks or if a, a particular area of town gets shut down. So we decided that we thought it would be good if we put a pause on the season right now until, say, September 1st, and then kind of look at the data, give six more weeks of looking at data. Hopefully the numbers will go down and maybe we'll be in phase three by then. Um, And if it's, if it looks good and it's safe then we could start practicing and have our first game at the end of September and just do an abbreviated season, a six game, seven week season Um, still have the playoffs, still have a state championship. Uh, We would lose one round of playoffs, but uh, we felt like that was a fair, you know, compromise and and a smart thing to do uh, at this point. If, in September, it doesn't look good, and we need to shut it down further. And we're fine with that, um, but we don't want them to just give up on football.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we want them to make a commitment to pushing it back, whether it's at the winter time or the spring. So we talked to the Northern Coaches Association, up the group that's based out of Reno, and uh, they agreed with us that we should aim for a mid-February start. With uh, games starting in March, and same thing, do an abbreviated season, wrap up the state championship, you know, uh, early May. So that's what we put out there. I doubt that they will follow our proposal, you know, <laughs> as is. But we we felt like we got to start putting some pressure on to the leadership in the state and get them to make a decision. Um, there's a lot of things at play right now that, that goes into their decisions, and we understand that but we don't want to be out there, you know, doing our conditioning and running around with essentially the understanding that we're not going to play yeah. in August. Yeah. So, um, we're, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully they'll make a decision
0: soon. Yeah, we're talking with Rich Morocco, uh, Liberty High School uh, in Las Vegas, outside of Las Vegas in Henderson. And, and Coach, you know, and I've been a glass half-full guy since this pandemic began on all of the interviews. I've been saying, you know, we are going to have a season, we're going to have a season. It may look completely different, but I think it's going to be there, and I still believe that. And I, I kind of hear that in, in your voice as well. But one of the things that I like, and I've been saying this to everybody that wants to listen to me, <laughs> in some way, I, I want Coaches to be in charge of what we should do with COVID, and it looks like you've kind of done that. You know, there was you don't get a playbook, right? When you began coaching, no one gave you right. a playbook and said, "Hey, if here's a pandemic, here's what you do," right? But I, <laughs> I love the fact that you guys have taken the bull by the horns. Talk a little bit about your program specifically there, and and how it's gone through phase two. You know, obviously, again, you weren't hired; to, you were hired to be a head coach, not a cleaning guy. But you got you had to kind right. of balance it. So, how has it been going for you guys during during this phase since you were allowed to go back and start? practicing
1: you, you know it was very um difficult you know with obviously everybody in the country is going through the same thing um you know we one of the things that nevada has they don't really have a limitation on how much you can practice with your with your kids mm-hmm. um so we spend a good portion of the year uh doing things that are football related you know whether it's weight training uh, seven on seven spring ball practices summer stuff So, uh, when they shut us down, it was hard, you know, it was, it was hard having a purpose in your life with, without, uh, having football, um, in it. So we did things early on, you know, zoom meetings and we did a Google classroom where we installed all our plays and our playbooks and tried to keep the kids as engaged as possible. Um, the the school district allowed us to start working out with the kids on July 6th and, You know, leading up to that, we thought "Eh, there's a pretty good chance we could be in phase three, you know, by the end of the month. And it's just gotten worse, you know, the last couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. we've been basically, uh, the the way the rules are in in our state, we had to keep less than 10 people in a group if we're going to be inside lifting weights. Um, And then you could have up to 50 people outside at a time. Uh, They wanted us to assign kids to to pods or little groups that could be easily um, contact tracing could be done if, if something were to break out. And um, we've, we've done that, you know, but it's been difficult because, you know, in the summertime we might bring the kids in from, you know, five in the morning till eight and be done. And now it's taking, you know, twice as long to get everybody in. Mm -hmm. We're fortunate at Liberty where we have two weight rooms, so we're, we're able to get 20 kids working out each hour, um, but, you know, you got to stagger things and, and it's hard, you know, it's been, it's been a learning experience trying to get kids to understand like, Hey, socially distance at all times. Like I can only imagine what the school year is going to look like with the normal kids that don't listen as well as the athletes. do. <laughs> you know, uh, these are kids that, you know, you tell them to run through a brick wall, they're going to run through a brick wall. But, it's like, hey, get back up from each other. Back up. Put your mask on. You know, it's it's definitely going to be a challenge moving forward. Um, but I think we've done a pretty good job. We, what we do is we lift. My dogs are barking. Sorry. That's okay. Um,
0: it's, uh, it's life now, so right? We, <laughs> we,
1: yeah. So we lift half uh, half the group lifts the other half conditions, um, and it's been going good. But we're we're getting ready to kind of shut it down i think Mm -hmm. um a lot of coaches we had a meeting on friday night we're gonna basically tell our programs hey we're we're stopping until we get direction from the niaa and hopefully that'll put a little bit more pressure on them to to make a decision sooner rather than later
0: yeah, and this this interview is being done, folks. Uh, about uh, let's see, about two hours and forty five minutes since uh, California announced that it's moving football to twenty twenty one. That's the third state to move to next year. Uh, and later today, uh, around five o'clock Eastern, Florida will make its decision. Not sure where that's going. Uh, Texas is also rumored to make the decision today or tomorrow. But uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk real football, real Patriot football here in a second, Coach. This is the last question. I was just gonna ask you what the what went through your mind knowing you had three big Southern California games on the schedule, and uh, that's definitely a no-go. So, in other words, if, if if let's just say, I don't know, there was a miracle on Earth and we could start on time, yeah. you'd be minus three games at this point. I know that's not going to happen. I'm saying it with tongue-in-cheek. But uh, what, yeah. what went through your mind when you heard what California ended up doing?
1: You know, actually, I was I had heard some rumors late last week that uh, California might switch to January start. And it actually uh, kind of excited us coaches here at Nevada because we know that uh, our state tends to follow whatever Nevada or whatever California does. Mm -hmm. So we thought if they come out and show that they're willing to extend the season into January, that maybe our state will be willing to do that too. So we're kind of excited for that. Um, you know, our thing is, you know, we want to play football. We want to do it safe. And we just want to get kids some games. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a full season or not. You know, football is the one sport. And we said that in our letter to the NIA, Uh It's the one sport where there is no AAU or club ball. You know, kids get recruited exclusively from playing high school football. And that's not really the case in almost any other sport. Soccer, you know, we have, we probably have one of the best soccer teams in the state, but our kids aren't allowed to play high school soccer from their club coaches. And, uh, you know, basketball has AAU, baseball, our baseball team played over 100 games last year in club. So, wow. um, so we feel football is important and we just can't give up on it. So I'm glad California. Decided to do that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Florida may follow. Uh, of course, Texas is Texas, and I've already seen, uh, heard from some of my Texas coaches going. Don't think we're going to follow any other state, <laughs> but that's just the Texas <laughs> mentality. There, Rich Morocco, the right. head coach at uh, Liberty High School in uh, in Nevada. They were the four A champs last year, number sixty two in the high school football America national rankings. And now we'll flip the switch here, coach, and just talk uh, football whenever it comes around. And sure. I, I guess we'll, we'll we'll base it upon the 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 last statement i made during the question which was you had three southern california teams on the schedule you have been known over the last several years for will, the willingness to play anybody uh and and of course if you want to be that type of program right uh that that has some yes. national prominence you got to play that sort of schedule so tell me a little bit about your mentality behind playing a non-league schedule that most people would go hey coach you're nuts
1: yeah, yeah i get that a lot uh um, It started back in 2012. Um, Gorman had, I think, just won their, I don't know, fourth or fifth uh, straight state championship. And, um, you know, we were trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to close that gap? What do we need to do uh, to compete with them for athletes? Um, A lot of, we would lose a lot of kids uh, to Gorman. Mm -hmm. And so we decided that, you know, we saw that they were out there playing a national schedule and we decided, you know, we needed to do that too. Um, Just from the exposure standpoint for kids and, you know, to tell parents like you don't have to pay $15,000 a year and go to Gorman. You can come to Liberty uh, public school and get a lot of the same experiences. So um, we started playing, you know, maybe one game a year against a national team. No, none of the, You know, there's good teams. Always tried to play really good programs. Uh, We played Hamilton in uh, Arizona when they were rolling. Several other good teams, but uh, as as we got went along, we just decided uh, that we wanted to shoot for that national ranking, and um, we felt like the better teams that we could play would better prepare us to play Bishop Gorman because they were playing such high level competition. Um, we, we realized that a lot of times we would just kind of walk through our league, walk through state play. And then we'd get to that game against Gorman and, and we weren't battle tested. and, And when things would go wrong, uh, we didn't know how to, how to battle through that. So I've always taken the philosophy since then of, I'm fine with taking a couple losses early in the year against really great programs because you can learn so much from those. Um, and You know, it finally paid off for us this past year.
0: Yeah, uh, in a big way, no doubt about that. And and mm-hmm. I, you know, let's let's kind of lean back on that uh, because we want to. Yeah, you stay in the positive mode. Now we're in this part of the right. interview here. So um, again, Gorman streak. Everybody knew about it. Whether it was their national championship, they won back in sixteen to all those wins in a row and all those state championships in a row. Um, now that you've had, let's see, probably what about seven and eight months or so to think about it. I, I would assume the smile's still there. But tell me a little bit. About uh, that feeling when you realized you got over that hump, and it was a big hump.
1: <laughs> yeah, it you know, the the year last year, uh, we knew we had a good team coming in, and we we took a huge uh, schedule on five out of state teams. Four of them were ranked in the top thirty in the country preseason. Um, we knew it was going to be difficult, and. Never in a million years did I think we'd go 0-5 to start the <laughs> year. And um, a lot of that was um, we weren't sure at the quarterback position. We, we had four guys that were all good kids uh, competing. We had some injuries. And uh, when Daniel Britt um, got back and healthy and he was able to win the job, he kind of changed the the whole um, energy of our team and, and the offense just completely changed with him because he was a, a true dual threat quarterback and he just played so great for us Went he went 10 and 0 as a starter. And um, that really kind of changed everything around. But I'll tell you at the beginning of the year last year, when we were on five, I didn't think there was any chance that we would beat Gorman. <laughs> uh, we were just trying to figure out how to get a win. And as we built momentum and, and it got up closer to that game, I, I felt like we really had a legitimate chance, especially, first time we got to play them on our home field and uh our home field's a disaster so the the, the i'm sure they weren't used to playing in that bad of uh <laughs> turf and uh yeah, we, we used that to our advantage It had rained that and uh just over your field yeah but it was it's an amazing feeling uh when we finally you know beat them and put a little more pressure on us because we still had to win. We still had to go up north and play a very good uh, Bishop Minogue team, and then we had to come back down and play the state championship game. So I kind of felt More pressure after we beat Gorman because I was like, I don't want to blow this, you know, (laughs) beat Gorman and then not win state.
0: So yeah, I failed to mention that it wasn't the state championship game. was It was a couple later, but uh, it 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 was fun to. It's been fun to watch because again, you know, all all we ever knew when we created the algorithm was you know there's this team Gorman they played everybody and you know uh, then then there was the rest of you. You're all playing for second place. I guess was the best way to look at it. So uh, you know, congrats on that. And and then. You know, again, COVID aside, you know Daniel Britt is coming back, right? You've got some players coming yeah. back. You got this great schedule. I, I told you before we rolled the tape what your preseason ranking was. You're the only person, by the way, I've told that to. Everybody else wanted to know, so yeah, that's between you and I right now. But I, I know it put Thank a smile. I, I know it put a smile on your face. So so tell me a little bit Absolutely. about this program that you do have ready to go whenever football comes, whether it's uh, sometime later in September or sometime in February or sometime next. May, whatever yeah. it may be. Tell so get some of the kids yeah, in my name. This,
1: this, sure, this this uh, this was always the year this this season coming up that I, I really thought would be the year that we overtake Gorman. Um I've had I had uh two kids, Zyrus Fiaso and Zephaniah Ma- uh Maya, who were starters for me as freshmen, uh both division one players as uh Zephaniah verbally committed to Colorado uh Zyrus committed to San Diego State and um I was kind of thought all the pieces would come in place this year now it happened last year so um I I feel like we're just absolutely loaded uh stacked ready to go this year we have nine starters coming back on offense my um offensive line you know we were joking around as coaches I think the uh the quarantine kind of helped the kids get some sleep and they grew. (laughs) It's like, I can't believe how big everybody got. Um, I think our offensive line, we did the height and weight the other day, average six four, three fifteen. Um, so we're going to be big up front. We're not sloppy big. You know, we're, they're, they're good looking kids. They're, you know, thick kids, not fat, sloppy kids. So, um, I'm, I'm excited about the line Uh, led by Ben Roy, who's a UCLA committed center. Um, A couple of young kids that uh, I think are going to step in and and have a great season. Um, My tight end was one of the top tight ends in the country. Maliki Mataval. he committed to Oregon. Um, So we're kind of stacked offensively. Uh, A receiver that's got 20 plus offers. He's only going to be a junior. His name's Jeremy Bernard. Uh, So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, we get a season and uh, we should put up some really good numbers offensively. Defensively, I was a little nervous. You know, we lost our whole, pretty much our whole secondary, but we've had a couple transfers move in. Um, Some of the kids uh, that uh, were backups last year have been looking really good, uh, running around, moving around. So I think we're going to be fine in the secondary. Our linebackers are just stacked. We have six, seven kids that can play and, uh, led by Zyrus and Zephaniah, but I have a couple others, Jared Tufele, uh, Zemir Marshall, they both, you know, quality, uh, high school football players that have an opportunity to maybe pick up an offer if we can get a season. So that's one of the things that really kind of mm-hmm. disappoints me, you know, by not having a season, uh, some of those, those kids that maybe weren't uh, stars as juniors, you know, it gets to be their senior year. I think they could have a really good year and, and pick up maybe a one double a offer or or maybe a smaller division one school. Um, They're not going to have that opportunity unless we play. So yeah, Uh, we'll see. And I feel we're, we, we're the biggest, as far as size, and we're also the biggest as size as far as numbers. I think uh, eighty-four kids on the varsity right now. So, hey, uh, size program. We'll hope, hopefully, it'll happen. I do worry if we go to the spring and the five kids that I have that are D1 kids, the, all of them were planning on graduating early and enrolling mm-hmm. at their schools at the semester. So, I don't know how that'll all shape out if colleges are still going to allow kids to enroll early or if you know the kids even want to if they want to try to play their senior season
0: yeah well you just read my mind i was going to ask you that question i and you know the other thing and i was talking to somebody about this the other day is it, you know it may not happen if if college football moves to the spring right i mean there, there's a lot of moving right. parts here i mean it's it's absolutely crazy rich morocco the uh, head coach at liberty high school the patriots uh uh Nevada's state champs last year in, in 4A. And a uh, couple of questions here uh, uh, away from the team about yourself. First off, how did a guy from uh, the East Coast end up in Vegas, although I guess Vegas <laughs> is a melting pot after all?
1: Yeah, so you know I'm from upstate New York, Rochester area. Uh,
0: I was actually born in Niagara Falls.
1: And um, when I was my senior year of college, you know, applying for jobs, at the time, it was almost impossible to get a job in New York, uh, very little growth or, or movement in the PE fields. <laughs> so uh, I went to a teacher recruitment fair um, where they brought school districts from all over the country into uh, Rochester and uh, actually had three job offers at, at that fair. One of them was Clark County, and my wife... Uh, said, yeah, let's try it. Let's go to Vegas. So I was shocked that she was willing to move across country, and it was (laughs) the best move for us. You know, um, she was able to become a principal at a relatively young age, and I was able to uh, become a head coach at a a relatively young age, where if I would have stayed in New York, that probably wouldn't have happened quite as quickly. Um, It's more settled there and uh, a little more difficult. To get hired and, and move up. So Las Vegas provided a lot of opportunities for us, and it's, it, it blew my mind away when I went to the interview, and they said they were going to hire 2,000 teachers that first year I moved up here. I was like, 2,000 teachers? Like, that's insane. Like, we are lucky if one opening happens in our town in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, so uh, kind of crazy, but it was it was a great move It definitely was the right move for me professionally Mm -hmm. and you know my family's here now my mom's moved out my brother uh, actually two of my brothers so it's it's great here. We love it.
0: Well, I, I guess to use a, a bad pun, uh, two thousand hires. I guess you're not really gambling in that situation. There, you got a pretty good <laughs> shot at one of the jobs. And by the way, my brother, <laughs> yeah. my brother lived in Rochester after he got out of the Navy. He worked. Uh, I remember on the the Kodak campus. It wasn't working for Kodak, so I, I I understand. You're right. Probably not a whole lot of uh, <laughs> more opportunities. Yeah. Two thousand to one were probably the odds I would think on that. Uh, right. Rich Moraga, the head coach at Liberty here. Uh, number 62 in the high school football America 100 Uh, when they finally get to play uh, you know he's got a a great program there and uh, let's just wrap up with this question Uh, had to be a big thrill for you last year to be uh, nominated for the the Don Shula high school coach of the year award as a finalist there Uh, what I love about that award is you know it goes beyond wins and losses and national rankings like we were talking about earlier it talks about you know what you do uh, for kids you know not just x's and o's and all of that so tell me a little bit about uh, a how it felt to be nominated and in the final 32 and 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 what is your philosophy when it comes to you know everybody's like oh kids are different these days and then some coaches like no they're the same they're just what is your philosophy as a head coach
1: so first of all it was a tremendous honor um we didn't i never even knew about it uh prior to last year because uh the Raiders, obviously, um, you know, are moving to Vegas, mm-hmm. and, and they wanted to uh, to nominate me as part of their, their area that they cover. Um, getting down to getting to go down to Orlando and uh, meet all the coaches from around the country has been special. You know, we've formed a nice bond. We still communicate with each other uh, throughout this past several months. Um, so it was a very humbling experience for me. Um, you know, my my philosophy as a coach, obviously, um, you know, everybody wants to win. And I, I look at it like the winning will take care of itself if you do the right things and if you can get kids to want to play for you and if you do right by kids. And so that's what we try to do, you know, not just myself, but my whole staff. Um, I feel like high school sports, whether you're the star or even if you're you know, in our case, the 84th kid on the roster, uh, there's a value to playing football, being on a team, learning all the, the um, you know, characteristics and and things that you can do. You can, I'm kind of stumbling with my words here, but uh, <laughs> you know, all the things that you can learn from playing football, uh, you know, hard work, self-sacrifice, discipline. There are things that kids crave, you know. Uh, some kids have two parents at home and and are are great parents and provide those things for them. And other kids don't have that in their lives and they come to football or or other sports and and they need that. Uh, You know, you mentioned that kids are different. Absolutely. Kids are different nowadays than they were, you know, 30 years ago when I was in high school. Uh, But the the main message is still the same, right? They want to be, they want to be loved up. They want to be coached hard. They want to have structure in their lives. And our program's flourished with that. You know, we we do a year-round program. We we really feel like the weight room and the structure is important, and the kids have bought into that. And that's what's kind of helped us uh, stay good year after year. You know, mm-hmm. the kids, the older kids teach the younger kids, um, and when i first took over you know trying to convince the kids that you know what you're talking about and getting them to buy in was a little challenging but through the years it's become easier and easier and easier because that you know the the proof is is there they see it they see that if you work hard and you follow the the rules and the expectations of the team that we're going to have success both personal success and team success. And some of the things you know that I'm most excited about is the ability to get kids college scholarships and go off to college just in general. You know, a lot of kids wouldn't maybe have as good of grades if it weren't for sports. Right. So we, we do a lot of things to, to try to help them, you know, with study hall and, and we have great counselors at our school that are willing to work with athletes and you know, help their schedules and make sure they stay on track to graduate. Um, so that's kind of. My overall launching, I
0: did a good job yeah, answering the question. No, 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 you, you did. That's the only that. thing I'm going to do is I'm to. i going to keep you away from trouble here because when you win an award, you know, certainly you're the guy accepting it and getting, you know, all the accolades. But uh, I, I better allow yeah. you to talk a little bit about that staff of yours. Uh, a lot of those guys been around with you for the 10 years since you've been the H.C. Tell me, tell me a little bit about some of those guys that uh, have, have helped the Patriots get to the level you've gotten to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, I have a great staff. Um, you know, we... We only get six paid positions here in nevada and ccsd so the majority of my coaches do it for free um most of them well i'd say about half are off-campus guys mm-hmm. that have other jobs that are passionate about football and passionate about kids and really go above and beyond uh, everything i ask them to do you know they're they're all in you know it's uh, if we have 5 a.m. workouts, they You know, they work, They adjust their work schedules around that. So, um, I have several guys that have been with me since the beginning. Starting with, um, he's kind of the assistant head coach. His name's Nua Agatonu. He uh, he's uh, probably one of the most important people in our program because um, he's he is the play, He was the uh, coach that convinced a lot of the Polynesian families to start moving into Liberty zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big part of our success. We have, I'd say, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but maybe 40% of our program is, uh, Polynesian descent, you know, Hawaiians, Samoans, Tongans. Um, and they're just such great families and football um, football-first families. Um, and that, that was really the key to getting us over from being kind of a losing program to a competitive program. And so I give him a lot of credit for that. And um, then I have Chad Kapanui, who is my offensive coordinator. He's been with me uh, from the beginning. Started off as, as your quarterback coach, and he's just grown so much over the years as a coach. And last couple of years, he's been the the offensive coordinator, and our uh, offense just taken off under his direction. And then my defensive coordinator, Kaipo Batune, has been with me since 2012, and he does a great job. Extremely uh, intelligent man. Um, runs uh, a pretty complicated system. So at times, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll yell at him like, hey, just dumb it down so we can play <laughs> faster. But, uh, he, it's hard to go against him in practice every day because he does do, you know, some unorthodox things. Uh, but, you know, his, his brother is a defensive coordinator in college and, uh, he's got a good, uh, support network there and, and brings a higher level of, of football to our program. So, um, those are the main guys. My strength and conditioning coach Corey Anderson's been with me for five or six years and I'll put him against any strength and conditioning coach in the country um, the real key to our success is the weight room and um, you know my principal uh, Derek Bellow was able to kind of buy into my philosophy and Corey's philosophy and and we were able to figure out a schedule well You know, we're on block schedules, so we're only supposed to have class, like weight training class, every other day. But we were able to manipulate the schedule and double block weight training for football kids so they get that weight room every day, and that's what's really paid off for us.
0: Well, coach, it's been a pleasure getting to know you here. I, I know there will be football in 20 or 21, but uh, yeah, until that time, uh, just uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of time off. It's stressful, you know, being a head football coach of a program that plays a schedule like yours. But uh, best of luck in in 20 or 21, and thanks for joining us right. on the show.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: And that's today's High School Football America podcast brought to you by the great new app Small Player Big Play an age-appropriate sports-focused social media platform designed to showcase and connect young athletes, parents, coaches, and their friends on small player big play young athletes have the ability to utilize the app and share interest and accomplishments in this very safe and highly secure social media environment it features live streaming with game day highlights and lucrative fundraising opportunities for your school and your team download the small player big play app on google play and the apple app store That's today's High School Football America podcast, and I'm Jeff Fisher.